I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is a very special day. It is September 11, 2019. And we are looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We have a lot to discuss. I have at least a full page of notes. And that certainly doesn't include all the stuff that's just going to come out of thin air. But here's what we need to get a handle on. We need to understand the big picture. We need to understand if there is a turn in the market imminent, and then we need to discover or at least go in search of a reason why there would be a turn coming in the market. The reason that we have to take it from this approach, and as a side note, I do have a very, very good reason. We're going to go over it in a little while. I'm not sure if I have the number this time, but I think I have the day. I think I have the time. As we know, and I've been saying this for a long, long time, those of you that have been around a long time know that time is more important than price. Something hit me today, and I'm going to go over it in a little while. Let's first, again, look at the big picture. We're starting from a 30,000-foot view. What do we have on the docket coming up? We have the Fed next week. That's Kabuki Theater. We know about that. We have a market that's debating whether or not the Fed's going to cut rates 25 basis points or 50 basis points. Now, you have to sit back and think for a second. Does that really matter to anybody? What's the impact of one quarter of 1% in our everyday lives? And I have to say, it's probably nothing. And the reason why I bring that up is the reason why it's Kabuki Theater. The market is going to react to what the Fed does. But in reality, it's not going to impact us one way or the other, the extra 25 basis points that everybody is hanging their hat on. It's really just a bunch of coffee talk. I understand there's a psychology behind it, how the Fed is essentially the put under the market. The Fed always comes to the rescue. Therefore, we can have the buy the dip mentality because the Fed's always going to be there to save the day. That's the psychology behind the Fed. More so, that's the psychology behind the market's interpretation of the Fed. So we have that. We also have, and I believe this is sometime Thursday morning, we have the ECB announcement. Now the ECB, maybe they're going to lower interest rates. Whatever they do, there may be a market reaction accordingly. The market today is over the big fat round number of 3,000. We discussed this countless times. The SPX, which is the cash index, closes at 3,000.93. The ES, which is the futures contract, slightly ahead of the cash index, closed at the 415 close at 3,002 and a quarter. And the SPY, as you see, closed at 325. That basically satisfies the big fat round number of 3,300 and so on. The question is, can we go higher? The answer is, yes, we can. Now, before you get all upset, before you hit the thumbs down button, you just have to hear me out. I've got the whole thing laid out. I don't know if it's going to happen exactly like this, but I'm going to give you the schematic. Let's start with where the low of the day was today. So the low of the day today was above an important number. The low of the day was 297.75. 
the important area that we've had our eye on for quite some time, 297.50, 297.60, give or take something on either side. You can see the importance of that zone. We've been trading sideways for a few days. We've been talking about the bull flag pattern. Here's the hourly chart. We discussed it yesterday, the end of the day rally to get away from all those numbers in the northern direction was a signal. It kept the bull flag pattern intact. So at the end of the day, the market did everything that we've been discussing. The bull flag pattern ends up being the catalyst for higher prices. Does the rally have to be over at 3000 And again, the answer is it doesn't have to be, so we have to dig a little deeper. We'll toss the ball around the horn a little bit. Now we're going to look at a weekly chart. And from a visual perspective, if you just showed up, had no lines on the chart, just focused in on whether it was bullish or bearish, doesn't matter, it's the S&P 500, it could be anything. Is this a bullish or bearish chart? The weekly chart is a bullish chart challenging the highs. See no more, say no more. That's exactly what's happening. It doesn't mean there won't be a turn, but from a visual perspective, that is currently what's going on. Here's something else we have to note. We discussed this a couple of weeks ago. I wish I could find it in which video it was. Somebody out there will remember. But we have a move like this. So it's a big up move, and we have a pullback. We have another up move, and we have a pullback. We have another up move. Now, we don't know where this move is going to finish. This is a weekly chart. What's to say we won't make new highs? We have to be objective. Right now, I'm the home plate umpire. And as the crew chief, I'm asking a simple question. Is there a valid reason why the S&P 500 cannot make new highs? I don't have one. You may have one. That's fine. I don't have one, so therefore... Based on this weekly chart, we are in an uptrend and the market can continue higher. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about some brass tacks. Last night, we discussed decreasing volume. We looked at it in terms of the market making a bottom at the time with decreasing volume. Conversely, if the market's going down on increasing volume, that's generally a signal that the selling and the acceleration of selling is picking up, but on decreasing volume, it's very hard to push the market very far in the southern direction. Without institutional participation, you generally get a floater. What about the upside? You see here on the weekly chart, the decreasing volume as we've been going higher. Now, a lot of people tend to put in the comments section under the video about decreasing volume, and that's a reason why the market's going to go down. That's never a reason why the market's going to go down. I'm not sure where anybody ever gets that from. But the opposite is actually true. The market is more prone to go higher on decreasing volume than it is to go lower on decreasing volume. And the evidence really is only over the last 10 years. You don't even have to go back farther than that. Go look at the volume since the bottom in 2009 and you'll see the market's been trending higher on low volume the entire time with minor exception of course but by and large the market has climbed higher on decreasing volume while it's climbing the wall of worry all right that takes care of the volume conversation let's get back to square 
What else do we have? What about a blow-off top? Uh-oh, why is he talking about a blow-off top? I didn't want to hear about a blow-off top. Well, here's where time is more important than price. So here's what I'm looking at. There is some analysis in and throughout the market called cycle analysis. There are various analysts that specialize in only cycle analysis. I know of a couple. One gentleman's name is Peter Eliades. I've read his stuff in the past, and it's pretty good. Another gentleman, his name is Charles Nenner. He does a lot more than cycles. He's more esoteric, but is also very good. It's a specialty, but it's a real art form. There's never really a right answer until after the fact, along with many of the things in the market. But the cycle analysis is fascinating. So I went to work, and I came out with the fact that, in my estimation, the market is running out of time. What does that mean? How much time? Is it a week? Is it a month? Is it an hour? How much time is he talking about? Here it is. It's either Friday, Monday, or Tuesday. Now, the next question is, where the hell is he getting that from? Well, I can't exactly explain where it comes from. It's really an entire course in and of itself. But as far as I'm concerned, the market is running out of time. Now, what happens when the market runs out of time? Sometimes, and let's emphasize sometimes, we don't know that this is going to happen, but this is certainly one of the schematics that could happen. And it's, in a way, happening before our eyes. The market can trade up or down into one of these very, very important time periods, important cycles. I'll give you one small clue. It's not a cycle that you have to go back years and years and years in time to find. It's actually a relatively current cycle. But when you stack that on top of a number of other things, and I'm sorry, but that other things list has to stay private. And the only reason is, is because of the folks that steal stuff. Let's get back to trading up or down into an important cycle date or cycle time, if you will. Sometimes we see certain support or certain resistance prices act as a magnet. The market ends up being drawn to certain prices. We've seen that over and over and over again. Break down candle highs, break up candle lows. Well, a similar phenomenon, as far as I'm concerned anyway, and certainly the point is arguable, but you're here, you're inside my head, so I'm driving the hovercraft. So here's the phenomenon. So if certain prices are attractive to the market, then it's certainly possible that certain dates can be attractive to the market. Now, a date might come in as a high. A date might come in as a low. We don't know beforehand, but if we are given clues beforehand, like right now, the market is headed higher. The market continues to refuse to go in the southern direction It's headed for a destination. It's on a mission, just like the IWM, which we'll obviously talk about. And everybody wants to know, where is that destination? Well, I'm coming from a different angle today. I'm saying, when is that destination going to culminate? So the fact that I have a timing piece in mind, what's the price going to be? I don't know what the price is going to be. But here's what I can tell you. We're either going to get rejected at the former highs if they can get there. It's not that far away. Maybe we're rejected right here. Maybe we're rejected a dollar or two higher. The former highs 
are only at 302.23. So we're really just a stone's throw away from the old highs. The question is now, do they bust through the old highs to suck in more people to the bullish side? That's the trick, trap, fool, and frustrate crew at work. The answer is, we really don't know. We can't say yes, we can't say no. What we can do is prepare for either scenario. How much higher, if we're going to break the highs, how much higher could the market go? Well, it could certainly go indefinitely, but that's not really going to happen. So the 80-20 rule would look like this. They can spike through the highs by a dollar, two dollars, three dollars, probably not much more than that, maybe four on the outside, but that puts the SPY somewhere in the neighborhood of 303, 304, 305. But when the S&P is up 10, 20, maybe even 30 handles above the old high, what do you think the media will be doing at the time? They'll be putting on those pointy hats and busting out the party favors. You'll hear price targets on the S&P back to 3200, 3250. You'll hear some whacked out stuff like 3,500, and they'll pin another 12-month cycle onto those numbers. The more of those numbers you begin to hear, the closer we will be to a top. And in my estimation, at some point, we'll see either an intraday reversal of some sorts, probably on a news spark, maybe a tweet spark. Maybe it's China news. Maybe it's something out of left field. Maybe it's a black swan. We don't know. It may come in the form of a gap in crap. It may come in the form of a gap down. We need to know all these things so that we can be pre-prepared. Where am I wrong? How am I wrong? What does the market look like if I'm wrong? The market will continue day after day, two, three times or more, closing above the old highs. If that is the case, that's where I'm wrong. At least two three closes above the old highs, and you have to cut and run, reevaluate. We could be getting a further vacuum at that point, and the cycle stuff that I talked about would be just a bunch of bunk. And that, my friends, concludes the fantasy ride on the S&P over the next three or four trading days. It will be interesting to see what actually happens as compared to what I just said should or could happen as it relates to the cycle and if we do trade up into the cycle. We'll see. Moving the ball around the horn, let's take a look at Camp IWM, Rocket Ride Du Jour. This is my favorite market leading indicator. Look at that trend line. Look what happened when we busted over that trend line. We talked about this. That trend line had to be important. We nestled up against it yesterday, didn't quite hit it. It's debatable where the trend line should be. It's not the point. The point is the trend line is in concept. Remember, we have talked about this. This is a possibility. As an analyst, you have to be aware of this. You can't ignore this because you want the market to go down. You have to be aware that the IWM on the weekly chart could be a long-standing bull flag pattern. Does it have to go to 175 or 185? No, it doesn't. But right now, it's breaking out over this trend line, and that's what's important. Look where we are as it relates to the moving averages. This is a big deal. If we close the week up here, it's going to get a lot of people bullish. Does it change the story I just told about the cycles and the S&P and all that stuff? No, absolutely not. 
all the markets will trade together, not necessarily the same every day, not necessarily to the same magnitude. This is a great case in point. Look at the IWM. It was up over 2% today. The S&P 500 was not even up 1%. The IWM is my favorite market leading indicator. Have I mentioned that? Last night, we talked about the IWM getting up to 156.5, 157, 157.5, something in this neighborhood. We're at 157. Can they go higher? Well, if the S&P 500 is going to go higher, we don't know that it will or it won't, but if it does, then of course the IWM is going to follow suit. And if it doesn't, we'll have our answer. Either way, we're reading the market. Remember this? We talked about this the other day. The VIX was below all those moving averages, creating a bear flag pattern. We talk about these all the time. Bull flag, bear flag, any flag, doesn't matter. As long as you know what it means until it's broken or off the table, you're way ahead of most everybody else. If the market has a blow-off to the upside, we can expect another collapse or a further collapse of volatility. Where can the VIX go? $13.5, About $12.50, $13. And anything below $12, you know how I feel. I will begin collecting the VIX down this time, I believe down around 13 or below. You remember, I'm a collector of the VIX, but I'm not paying museum prices. We want to pay dumpster prices, transports. We talked about 10,700. We're above that. It's still going. Here's what's important about the transports. Here's an intraday 15-minute chart. Everything to the right of the vertical line is today's activity. Look at the second candle of the day, or it's actually the first candle of the day. The transports looked weak early in the day. They had a turnaround. The IWM was screaming higher early on. The transports turned around, finishing at the highs of the day. What do you think that's telling me? Is that in and of itself a signal of bearish behavior or bullish behavior? That's bullish behavior regardless of what happens on Thursday morning That in and of itself is bullish behavior. Here's an hourly chart. Here's the first candle of the day. The first hourly candle. There were some traders looking for a turn as a result of that candle. I understand why. I get it. But there were too many other signals that were outweighing that look. That was simply a -a rope-a-dope. If we have a blow-off top in the market, can the transports get all the way to 11,000? Yes, they can. How about the Qs? Pretty similar story like the SPY today. It's the same routine, carbon copy. We don't have to rehash 15 minutes ago. By the way, just to see if you're paying attention, here's a short hop for you. This was one of the trades today from stocks on the move from inside the numbers. Two prices. When there are two target prices, many traders buy a portion of a position at the first price, willing to add at the second. We have a stop. And we also had a nice little win right out of the gate. This made a high of 49.73. When they hand you a buck and a half out of the gate, you take it off the table. Even if you got a portion of the buck and a half, you take it off the table. The point here is, inside the numbers, stocks on the move. Look at what we're doing here. The stock's down 20% and we pick off a low and we do it over and over and over again. Doesn't happen every day. And we certainly don't win every trade. 
but we do win about 75% of the time. And that's not a BS number. That's a real number. I have the tracking log. I have every trade that triggered for Inside the Numbers members on the Stocks on the Move list from day one. It's not public. Don't ask me for it. And the reason is because not everybody will have the same result on every trade. It's a misnomer. That's why when you get stuff from other people in this business and they show you all those wonderful trades, are they showing you both sides? What happens if you cherry pick? If I have a 75% win rate on the total of the trades that triggered for Inside the Numbers members, just the stocks on the move list, what happens if you cherry pick and took half the trades? Are your results going to be better or worse than 75%? The real answer is, unless you're Nostradamus, your results are going to be a lot worse than 75%. That's what most traders don't realize. In order to achieve that kind of result, you have to take every single trade and you have to abide by every single stop to the penny. Most traders just can't do that. I can't do that. That's a fallacy. It's just not going to happen. You miss trades. You're not there that day. You go to get a drink. You miss a trade. All kinds of stuff happens. You can't take every trade. Did Inside the Numbers members have a beat on the S&P 500 or the SPY today in terms of direction and all that stuff? Of course they did. We knew the bogey early in the morning. As long as they didn't trade below the bogey, they were going higher. That was basically the schematic. The financials, any different story in the financials? No, no different story. Same story as everything else. SMH, different story, same story. Same story as everything else. Some of these markets are in different positions than other markets, but it's the same story. It's all the same market. The market may be in the midst of a blow-off top if I'm right about all the other stuff before. And with that, folks, it's everything I wanted to discuss and intended to discuss today, so I will give it a wrap. Before I do, I must say that I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible whatsoever. Thank you for your vote of confidence. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My strategic forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.